Welcome, friends. Hi. <laughs> to episode six of season three of Slide Between the Pages with Amanda and Heck. That was actually. Oh, every time you say it, it just makes me laugh. I, I, yeah, sorry. You caught me off guard. I had to remember what my name was. <laughs> I'm like, shit. I can't even help it. Just like your face every time and it's like, time for you to say your name. You like look so stunned. Like, oh my God, know. it's my turn. Oh what my do God, I say? that's my name. <laughs> I can't even. Okay, so a couple of um things to mark off this week before we get started. So firstly, um, yes. we would really appreciate if you go and follow us on all the places. Stalk the hell out of us. Like, honestly, we're on TikTok, we're on Instagram, we are on Facebook, slide between the pages. Um, and honestly, your rating and reviews are very much appreciated. The more that we get, um, firstly, it boosts us. And secondly, um, you know, it's what we need. So if you can do that, that would be fantastic. Um, secondly, we have, and part of the reason why we're a bit amped up this week is we have some pretty big news. We do. We do. Oh, goodness. <laughs> We've been holding it in for a while. Which a long is, while. If you know us, you would realise it's very difficult for yeah. us. Um Okay, so we are launching something this week. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, we're very nervous slash excited. Um, and so we are launching another brand. It is called Romance Cartel. I mean. Love it. Romance Cartel. So we do already have an Instagram profile if you want to head over and follow that. But what Romance Cartel is all about is collaborating with the authors that we have formed relationships with here on the podcast, just mm. to get their beautiful books out into the world even more than they already are and to create custom book boxes with them. So, And also, uh, let's just be honest, you have an obsession with foil covers <laughs> and this was Amanda's way to ensure that all of her favourite books were adorned with foil. Yeah, no, I mean, not, not all of them will be foil covered, let's be clear. Not but all of them. But you, you are a bit of a hussy for a bit of a foil cover. I definitely am. And this is um, the way that I'm going about achieving my dream goal. <laughs> um, so let's just, do you want to do the announcement of our first author? You will see it yeah. on Instagram. So our very first author will be B Page. We're super duper excited, but we will open the website um, later this week for pre-orders. So you'll just have to head over and check that out i'm not going to give you any more information though that's it go to, the, go to instagram all the information will be there it tells you when the website will open the boxes will be available internationally um and on the website you will be able to look at the costs in your currency as well so you'll be able to see exactly what it will cost um mm -hmm. on there so we are very excited to share that with you and super excited to work with Kelly because obviously we love her. Um, and yeah, if you head to Romance Cartel, you can get all the additional information that you need. Cool. So exciting. All right. So this week we're going to be talking to Sav R. Miller. Oh, she's just so lovely. <laughs> she is. Um, I really loved having a chat with her and I just want to take a moment to actually appreciate these covers. So we first oh, found they're beautiful on TikTok months ago, but when she released Promises and Pomegranate. And that, 
I don't know. There's just something really sexy and alluring about that cover. Um, it really is. And yeah. so we're talking about the Monster Amuses series with her. Make sure you listen to the end because there are some very fun questions and completely unexpected answers. <laughs> yes, there is. Yeah. So let's head over now. international best-selling author and you do write the dark and contemporary stuff which is obviously our favorite and you prefer the villain in most stories um which again especially beck she always goes for the villain i do uh, i love the bad like the super she bad. loves the villain mm-hmm. um but you do say you think everyone deserves a happily ever after which is awesome mm-hmm. um and i do love that you've got a pop called lord byron yes yeah that's <laughs> Uh, they were both in here and now they're both gone. He's the, he's the lab. Um, and then I've got one, his full name is Edgar Allan Poe, but I just call him Poe. I love that. So. <laughs> That's the best. Especially because like, if you're angry, you can be like, excuse me, and you can full name yes. him, which yep. is the, which is awesome. Yes. Welcome everyone to this week's episode of Slide Between the Pages. We are super excited to have Sav R. Miller with us today. Hi, Sav. Hi, I'm very excited to be here. (laughs) Welcome. We are so excited to chat with you. So today we're going to be talking about the first two books in your Monsters and Muses series. Mm -hmm. So um, how, I guess we'll just start with how did you come up with the, with the concept of this series? Well, so I was in a Christmas anthology that was kind of thrown together in 2020. And I had already in mind the character of Cal Anderson, who is the MC of Promises and Pomegranates. And uh, when I was coming up with the piece that I needed for the anthology, I I've always loved Greek mythology, um, been kind of obsessed with it since like seventh grade and literature and all that kind of stuff. So I looked at the character and realized as I was filling out his character profile that he made a very good Hades. If Hades, you know, was uh, Mm -hmm. in the the mafia world in the modern uh, day era. And so I, thought okay so that would be a really interesting kind of correlation for him and then when I wrote the girl Elena uh who he was going to end up with I she kind of just fit into that motif of how I imagined Persephone would be also if she was you know modern yeah uh mafia princess and so then I so I wrote the prequel Sweet Sin for that anthology based on well I don't think I had the storyline for Promises and Pomegranates written down yet uh, and I hadn't necessarily planned to make it inspired by anything I was just thinking about like the thought was just in my head that those two characters lent themselves really nicely to the mythological characters yeah and then once I finished the prequel and got to writing Promises of the Pomegranates, I didn't have a name for it. And it was supposed to be the fourth book in my King's Trace antihero series. But when I got to writing it and I was plotting it out, I was like, okay, well, this 
this kind of like storyline, uh, the framework of it, I think could work really well if I uh, took bits and pieces from the myth um, and put them together and kind of made that promises and pomegranates. And then for the, I guess the idea of doing the whole series that way is when I was writing um, Sweet Sacrifice, which is the last book in King's Trace. And I came up with, I didn't come, I came up with it, but I don't, I don't know how to describe the way that these characters just kind of like pop up in my head because I'm coming up with them, but like they appear completely on their own. So I was writing uh, Riley's character and she was this character who, she's a teenager in Sweet Sacrifice and she was obsessed with this rock star. And I just immediately, before I was done writing that book, I was like, okay, Orpheus and Eurydice, that would be the perfect modern day rock star and a fan. And I, th I think it would be perfect. So when I got the cover done for Promises and Pomegranates, I think is when I kind of solidified in my mind that they were all going to be in some way based on or inspired by Greek mythology. Yeah. So there we have it. I love that. Okay, so jumping back in, and obviously, as we say, you know, you've got the Hades and Persephone vibe going on, but you do clearly state at the start, you know, this is not um, a retelling or mm -hmm. anything like that. It's just based on those concepts. You've integrated yeah. that into the story, yeah. which is which is fantastic. So, as you say, Promises and Pomegranates is about Dr. Callum Anderson who mm -hmm. is dubbed Dr. Death, and Eleni Ricky, who is the daughter of the Don of the Mafia. Mm -hmm. And so the loose concept is um, she is going out to, uh, well, she's been married off to somebody else, Matteo, in, in order for her family to gain some financial benefit. And I think that that scene when she's getting ready for her wedding, like, is just heartbreaking because there's just, like, there's no compassion at all. It's just like, you'll be fine. Just right. learn to live with it. With mm -hmm. like, that's the kind of background she's grown up with. There was very little understanding, very little compassion and love and more just you do what you're told. And she's kind of grown up with that expectation. But of course, Cal has other ideas, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, because he did take her virginity um, mm -hmm. and he... Uh, left her the next morning but on in his own you know thoughts was like obviously she knew that I wasn't just that I was obviously coming back to collect later right. like she right. should have known that um but and if, just on that that taking her virginity part I mean that was intense <laughs> I, I was like good on you that I'm glad that was your first experience <laughs> She got a good first experience, which yes. is which is more than most can say. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but you do get in that in the prequel, you do get because um, we've read the prequel as well. But you do get the um, impression that there is something a bit more with her mum than yes. with Cal than <clears throat> yeah yeah. That's that's why. Excuse me. Um, <laughs> when people read promises and pomegranates and came out the other side saying it was like a twist or like they were blindsided by it like I I felt like I left I felt like I um 
made it pretty obvious that there was some kind of his, I, I mean, obviously like it doesn't come out necessarily and say exactly the nature of the relationship mm. or anything like that, but it, it was foundationally even in the prequel. Mm. So yeah. Yeah. We read the prequel first as well. So which, and I, I wrote promises and pomegranate so that you wouldn't necessarily have to. So, I mean, I know a lot of people don't read it, but I know a lot of the ones that go back and do, or if they read it first, they feel like it's a nice companion to have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Carl has two plans. One is that he wants to get out from underneath the mafia's thumb. Mm-hmm. And the second is that he wants Elena. So he decides to kind of, kind of mix the two together and, um, and it kind of fits in with his plan of getting out of the mafia, getting a hold of his trust, which is, you know, based on him being, ha- having a family, you know, reestablishing um, a relationship or establishing, I guess you say, with his stepsister. Half-sister, yeah. Half-sister, mm-hmm. sorry. Mm-hmm. And he formulates a plan which you don't know at the time but it is that he's you know being blackmailed over you know this sex tape of him and Elena together and that of course he needs to you know um step in as her as her husband which I did love that part like (laughs) when she gets called into the room on her wedding day and he and Mateo's there like vomiting up his entire stomach basically and she's like oh my god what's wrong with you and then he just Cal just steps out of the shadows and says well I believe it's food poisoning poisoning but it doesn't present that way (laughs) 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 he's just so cheeky um and he he's obviously had a very rough upbringing as well you know he lost his mom to cancer his dad just never wanted you know wouldn't even admit that he existed really and he was taken in under the thumb of Raphael and uh Carmen and you know corrupted in all of the ways yeah in all of the ways he was made into Dr Death basically um he you know Carmen and him had a relationship and you know she quite never quite let that go either did she right she needs to move on she needs to move on yeah uh, <laughs> she yeah something I know everyone comes out hating her rightfully so like I she's not a good character she's an awful mom awful just wife awful person in general she's got some stuff going on <laughs> in that head of hers that I just <laughs> never could understand and like I know and it sounds weird but like she she's the villain in the story essentially I mean as much as Cal is a bad guy she is the villain in both of their stories <laughs> uh which and I think um I wish it didn't have to be like that but that was just how she just wrote so <laughs> she's obviously had a rough time of it as well because it does allude to the fact that she was uh forced into a marriage right. with Raphael as well so she hasn't exactly had mm. you know yeah she had a pretty shitty yeah, yeah. um <laughs> but you know she continued the cycle she continued right. the cycle it, there. Just, it just keeps keeps going it's generational <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she made she made it she made it worse it's like one of those like 
I had it bad and I'm going to go ahead and uh, <laughs> make yeah. everything so much worse for everybody. Yeah, no, she definitely, she definitely wasn't happy. Um, and so she didn't really want anybody else to be happy there. Right. Um, and a few big things from that is that, you know, obviously they mm-hmm. overall really had, well, the, the mafia really had like this monetary um you know, aspect where they lost money from her not marrying Matteo. So then they decided they were going to get it back. But also Carmen had this little revenge plot going on um, where she was like, no, you can't be with Cal because I love him. Um, and, you know, I mean, they did get their daughter assaulted. I mean, just mm-hmm. to, to send a point. Uh, that was a bit, that was a bit not nice of them, was it? Yeah. Her, uh... <laughs> and I, it, Coming from Carmen, I would think of it as vindictive and very calculated. Coming from her dad, still awful, but more of like a a business. Like he's very, their relationship was much more like transactional, I guess. And hers with Carmen was cutting and very, I guess, (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I, yeah, so it was it was nastier on a more personal level, I guess. So anything that Carmen did was kind of like a personal barb, something to get under your skin. Whereas her dad was kind of just doing stuff to not to do it, but for the for the family business. Yeah, absolutely. Um, some of my favorite scenes were when they were on the plane together. Uh, <laughs> just like all all the all the references to him eating fruit and then having the pomegranates and all those things. <laughs> I was just real, loving that. A real intense apple moment. The apple <laughs> moment was intense. <laughs> I was like, I was really drawn to him eating this apple. I know. I was like picturing it, you know, very graphically. In great detail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could hear the sounds and everything. I was like, this is... <laughs> But yeah, it was actually, it was supposed to, when I was writing that scene, I wanted it to be a pomegranate. <laughs> so I was like looking up all these different ways. Like can, when you bite into a, can you bite into a pomegranate? First of all, <laughs> um, second of all, if you bite into it, is it going to be juicy? Is it going to like run down your face? Is it, are the juices going to fly everywhere? Um, it just wasn't working out the same as the apple. So I was just like, okay, we'll just, we'll just nix the pomegranate, unfortunately, and bring in an apple and the apple worked much, much better. (laughs) I did. I did love that. And I loved her as a character as well, because she'd been beaten down so much, but she had this undercurrent of strength and courage, especially like when Vincent attacked her and she just went full out crazy. (laughs) Yeah fully took him down I was loving that um and she kind of uh her and Cal had this darkness I guess that matched each other and um like it was just like a level of acceptance that he had never had before in his life um you know where he didn't feel judged and she was like I guess had a level of freedom which she had never had Mm -hmm. before so I did love that about them um but the twist obviously there is that, um, you know, we, Cal actually does start getting blackmailed. He's like, well, this is, you know, this is a bit tricky, isn't it? 
I mean, I was making it up, but now it's true. Um, yeah. <laughs> how'd that happen? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and it's it's funny because a lot of people, I think, missed that line towards the end where he admits that it was him the like initially yes. so they get to the end and they're just kind of like what happened you know <laughs> like I don't understand how this bridge but like it was him when he first went to Boston he was totally making it up he just wanted Atlanta and then yeah so when they get back and then someone is actually taking a page from his <laughs> his own book and they are sending him this stuff and they're blackmailing him and he's like what the fuck is going on uh, excuse me that yeah. was my job <laughs> <laughs> yeah i um i really loved elena's obsession with her garden because <laughs> <laughs> i'm like same babe i cannot grow a plant either like i know she's like come on guys i'm talking to you know, they say yeah. talking to plants <laughs> <laughs> yes and i thought so when I was writing her, I mean, I tried to tie in and like make them as much of a metaphor as their characters told me, you know, that they would be. And so writing her, she, I want where Persephone is like, you know, flowers and vegetation and stuff like that. And her mom is vegetation. I can't remember exactly what their god goddesses of, but something to do with vegetation and flowers and stuff and I just thought it would be I guess interesting for her character to want to nurture and want to grow stuff but not be not be able to <laughs> yeah yeah I did I so. did really enjoy that um <laughs> and my other well sorry probably my favorite scene of all time from this book was um at the ballet oh, yeah 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 very 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 popular scene yeah Mm. but Mm. also so sad because yeah he's like you're kissing me like it's a goodbye and I'm like (laughs) I did um like as well that Violet came to speak to Carl his um half-sister came to speak to him at the end like even though she was kind of like look I'm not ready at this point it was kind of like bridging that little gap with him like mm-hmm. you know gave him a bit of an olive branch there which was nice right. um but yes absolutely loved their story um it was fantastic um so how many books can we expect in this series um i honestly don't know because i had initially just planned for 3 but I've already got plans for a fourth and a fifth. So basically uh, as, as many as, as long as the characters keep talking to me and they lend themselves naturally to, I guess, being inspired by a myth, uh, then I will continue the series until I'm out of ideas. <laughs> I love that. Awesome. And I That's love awesome. these covers too. They are like when I first seen, when you oh. first released, promises and pomegranate I was like yeah I was I have I feel like I haven't actually seen a cover quite it's so pretty before yeah they're beautiful yes yeah Kat did such an amazing job like when I brought her the concept I mean she literally what I gave her 
is what she created. And it was like better than I could have even imagined. And I was just so excited. And she has done the same exact thing for the other two covers so far. And yeah, I've, I, I've loved all of the covers. They're yeah, all they're so beautiful. pretty. Yeah, yes. they're beautiful. I they're agree. like, they're very, um, I still feel like they're quite a sexy central cover as well. Mm-hmm. Like they're not, it's not just a picture of a pomegranate. <laughs> like, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're beautiful. And that was, I wanted to convey that too, because I didn't want people to think that it was fantasy, mm. but I wanted kind of that element because it is inspired by the mythology. I wanted that element of like the creative artistic kind of looking thing but I also needed it to convey that these are dark romance yeah so with promises and pomegranates I did the blood yeah which I don't know if I don't know how well you can see it but it is there (laughs) underneath everything um it was originally just juice like but I had her like make it darker make it a little thicker make it look thicker um so that it was you know bloody and and you know blood is kind of a a central thing in the book so yeah absolutely (laughs) yeah that I guess so yeah it's a common theme he's um yeah autopsies while the people are still alive is quiet yes yes and also cutting into Elena you know his initials yeah Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. why is that so hot it's just I don't know I don't know <laughs> I, I don't know what it is either I would never I would never let someone oh, I don't want to say never but most likely I would never let someone do that to me in real I, I would read about it for the rest of my life I'm here yes. for reading about it yeah but I don't know if I'd be there for the pain I'm not sure I don't right. think I would right. I, mean, like- I, I blood makes me Queasy. So, like, if, if someone cut me open, I would probably pass it. <laughs> I love that. But your book is so heavily <laughs> yes. evolved and, around. And the some book. of the research, some of the research that I have to do, I like get very, very. My, I have a very weak stomach, so I was like, especially for Cal's book, I was having to look up. I think it was um, a dermaplane tool or some yeah. kind of dermatology thing where it's like you it's it punctures the skin and how having to watch videos on that and I was like getting sick and I remember going to my Facebook uh reader group and being like I hope you guys appreciate the things that I'm doing for you because I feel sick (laughs) I'm I'm really you know um looking into this book despite my own health so you know (laughs) I know I love that you yeah it does it's it makes you sick but you just still wrote a story all yes. yeah that's dedication it is. it is so moving on to book two we've got vipers and virtuosas is that how you pronounce it vipers and virtuosas yeah yeah cool cool <laughs> just like <a> shot. <laughs> close enough close enough <laughs> um and obviously we meet the female main character at the end of book one because mm-hmm. we find out that she was the one that had been um blackmailing cal um and she is boyd's younger sister who is from Ivor's um security mm-hmm. and she's basically like at the end of that book i've done a bad thing and i need to be helped so we go yeah. over to book two and we kind of get the background of that story and we obviously um you know it alludes to the fact that um riley you know, had had some severe trauma in her past. She's got scars um, on her face, on her belly. She essentially 
did die and Carl brought her back to life. Um, her mom was, you know, a drug addict and was associated with the mafia and sex trafficking and all of this type of stuff. Mm. And that's how she ended up getting so badly hurt. Mm. Um, and we also have Aiden, who is also referred to in book one um, in relation to there being a scandal about a rock star. So um, we do kind of meet them both briefly. Uh, and so Aiden is um, a very sad character to start out with. He really doesn't have much joy in his life. He is like completely popular and talented and all of this type of stuff, but he's got a mum with, you know, mental health issues. He's got a father who is a narcissist and basically slept with his girlfriend and continues to do so. Um, Both of them are so heavily involved in his career, but all they're worried about is money and not actually about him. Um, And obviously we find out further on that he has tried to take his own life and there's all these type of, you know, really sad, depressing, you know, moments where he's just so lonely and he's not really being seen. Mm -hmm. So, of course they meet (laughs) Um, at a live auction, which Elena had no idea. I mean, sorry, Riley had no idea what she was getting herself into. She's dragged along by two classmates who abandon her and Aiden decides that he's going to bid on her. And obviously she's also covered up all of her scars on her face with makeup. So he doesn't see any of these, um, what she sees as like ugly imperfections. He doesn't see any of those. And they go on a little adventure. Um, and, you know, it ends up quite well, I would say, in the tattoo parlor. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, until it ends, it ends well and then it doesn't end well. Correct. So the actual <laughs> evening ends well. Right. Then she freaks out and leaves. But the yes. following day is the fallout of that yes. adventure yes. where it comes out that the person that he had been seen with, which there are photos of them mm-hmm. together, um, had accused him of sexual assault. But there is no actual, um, you know, report from her. This is all coming right. from a third party. Right. Um, and they can't find her because when she gets home and Boyd, her brother, finds out about it, um, he is like, look, at the end of the day, we can't let this get out. You can't do a statement, you know, denying that you have said this because the people in the sex trafficking ring might find you and then they could finish the job basically. Right. And then, so that leads us to when she blackmails Cal and decides to fake her death and move um, away. So (laughs) (laughs) she's very, very dramatic, (laughs) very dramatic, very dramatic. I think you've got to be though. Yeah. Yeah. And also she didn't tell Boyd about the fact that she got an an envelope with all of her details in it saying, we know who you are and everything like that. So she goes and lives in this little town and she basically is a hermit and she has one friend. (laughs) Um, Aiden, he basically goes through like an obsessive infatuation stage where he obsessively like hunts her down um, and then becomes her stalker. Um, and look, there are a few, there are a few little incidents, uh, where he shows that he might be a little bit obsessed and unhinged. Um, which is totally cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
The first is when he steals her undies, but not just one pair, her entire undie drawer. Her entire undie drawer. You can never yeah, I mean, go big or go home, right? It's right. She, she doesn't realize he's there at this stage. So she calls right. Cal up and she's like, dude, my undies have been stolen. And he's like, are you sure you just haven't misplaced them? Like I've heard that, you know, washing machines can sometimes eat them. She's like, mm-hmm. it's a whole undie drawer. Like we're not talking about one pair of undies here, bro. Like I did not lose my whole undie drawer. <laughs> um, and then the second is probably the little surprise he leaves for her in her moisturizing uh, lotion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, <laughs> completely out of pocket. Um, I was not expecting that. I mean, I knew people were going to think it was like, you know, <laughs> gross. I was not expecting it to get to be like the focal point. Like that is the selling point that people will use either to, <laughs> to hate on it, which is, you know, whatever, that's not their thing. Or to be like, I didn't know I was into this. <laughs> and I was not like, I didn't write it to, <laughs> I didn't write it to be, you know, for anyone to be into necessarily, but you know, whatever, whatever works for people, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I just love that it's referenced later on in the book as well, where she's like, I've got a rash and I think it might be from my lotion. (laughs) And I'm like, oh my God. And he's just like, I might just throw that out now. Yeah. Yeah. Like doesn't say anything about it. He's just like, (laughs) my bad. He uh, definitely not the kind of, and that's the thing too, is like, he's an anti-hero. He's, kind of sort of bullying her he's her stalker like dude his moral compass is skewed at best so like him coming clean to her about having done it and then it, it, like explaining that maybe that's why you have a rash uh wasn't wasn't something that his character was going to do so him just throwing it out and kind of taking care of it himself was just like he's like that was his, that was his non-apology that was just yeah his solution <laughs> Absolutely. And he um, he tells her from the start, look, I'm here to um, get revenge on you and ruin your life and, you know, bring you back from the dead, essentially, tell everybody that you're alive and a little liar. Um, but obviously he's OCD and obsessive nature does not let him do that because right. he's essentially been obsessed with her since their first night together. So slowly their relationship develops and they start kind of letting each other in on their past, which was really nice to see because both of them have just been so closed off and had nobody to actually talk to about it. Um, So it was good that they had somebody to do that with. Now I did get the sense from the start that her friends that took her to that auction were a bit dodge, right? Because they took her there, they disappeared. And then when she got home, they're just watching like, you know, rom-coms basically on the lounge with a glass yeah. of wine. I'm like, mm, what's going on here? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, um, you know, her friend Melly shows up at the art gallery in this little town that she's in. I'm like, mm, that's Dodge. <laughs> that's Dodge. What's going on with Melly? <laughs> what's happening yeah. here? Um, but, yeah, so Aiden goes to do his kind of, you know, new me concert on new year's eve and ends up doing a public declaration of love for her she's like oh my god okay (laughs) i'm gonna go find him and he's like i'm gonna go find her but (laughs) melly finds her first 
Millie, the crazed psycho stalker fan. Come on. Yeah. She, yeah. And that's what she was doing in Lunar Cove in the first place is that she followed him there. Yes, exactly. Uh, And she also went to the auction to try and like basically rig it so that he would end up bidding on her. Yeah. And then because he didn't bid on her she followed them around and planted the story about the fake sexual assault yeah so yes i mean she does let that out in her villain monologue uh, (laughs) while she's standing over um (laughs) riley's body um you know beaten and battered body and then she's like well if i can't have you nobody can and then she's pointing a gun at aiden aiden's like what the actual fuck's going on here um and then <laughs> Riley just sits up and just stabs her in the neck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, well, she should have been aware of her surroundings. So, yeah, that's on me. Mm-hmm. Right fair, fair, fair point. Fair point. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, and, she, you know, she didn't die. She got to go to a psychiatric hospital, which I think was good because then they could, like, blame all of the stuff on her as well and, like, right. you know, mm-hmm. point her out who was in the wrong in that situation. Right, right. So, you know, she needed that justice to be served. But I guess a couple of things I did like about this book, well, sorry, I love the whole book, but my favourite things (laughs) were Cal's, like, um, you know, kind of stepping into the father role for for Riley, but being, like, like totally nonchalant about it. Like, What was that? (laughs) Well, he was, like, (laughs) I'm just trying to remember the scene. No one can see you. Are you (laughs) I know. I'm trying to remember the scene. I think he's like, she thanks him for something. And he's like, like, just basically like, first of all, he his immediate response is to be like, why are you thanking me? And then he's like, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's towards the end when she like comes out of her bedroom and sees him and she stops and says, thank you and he's like for what and she says I think for everything maybe yes yes I can't remember exactly but he's just like (laughs) no need to thank me no need to thank me and then he's as he's walking away he's like you're welcome yeah (laughs) a little under his breath like oh my god I do have feelings here but I refuse to show them very much um (laughs) (laughs) he's a bit like that in 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 his book too though he is yeah absolutely yeah um but yeah I did I really did like that part um and also I did love when Boyd walked in on her and Aiden together in the bed and he's like I yeah. beg your pardon what's <laughs> going on here um so I didn't really like that part <clears throat> but yes so we did love the first two books book three Oaths and Omissions is coming out on the 15th of March which is really exciting so um this will this episode will come out on the Sunday so it won't be very long to go from then so go and pre-order your copy guys if you haven't already now we get into the fun questions. The fun questions. <laughs> okay. So um, we're a part of um, Emily McIntyre's um, thing. And I did see a, I did see a Street post. Team. Yeah, I did see a post yesterday. It was kind of grabbed my attention. But she said that she dedicated a post to you about your obsession with spit. <laughs> so... <laughs> so uh-huh. What, what, what exactly is that about? Straight um, up, I was like Robert Pattinson spitting. 
That's so funny. She literally sent me that in a private message right before she posted. <laughs> um, so You're funny. like private joke, ha, 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 and then she's yeah. like, bam, Facebook group. Yeah. <laughs> uh, honestly, like any of any parts of our conversations are potential fuel to hook on each other. <laughs> so it's it's fine. It's just so I was writing Sweet Sacrifice last year, and which is Boyd and Fiona's book and void has a spit kink Mm -hmm. and it's not it's (laughs) i don't know how it how it developed for me (laughs) but i know that like while i was writing it i was like oh i don't i don't think i'm as grossed out by this as as i as i thought i was <laughs> and so I'm, I'm writing this a little bit. I'm yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like that TikTok idiot audio that's like, yes. am I am I attracted? To this? Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 And so I would write a scene. Like it's not a huge. I don't even like call it an actual kink. I mean, everyone else that has read it has come away calling it that. I didn't because it wasn't like a specific kind of thing. It was just something that he does multiple times in the book. <laughs> But I, I would write it and Emily, who Alpha reads for me, so she reads while I write, she would comment and she'd be like, oh, this is disgusting or something like, oh, this is gross. This is <laughs> like, yeah, whatever. Uh, but and then so around the time that I was writing that, all these TikTok videos with the spit kept popping up on my For You page. And so every time that one would pop up, I was... I would send it to her because I knew she didn't like it. Uh, I needed to share it with somebody. I had to share it with someone. Yeah. So she would get all of them. It's been a while since I sent her one. So I was very surprised when she sent me the Robert Pattinson thing, but I was very excited. <laughs> it's hilarious. Cause that's exactly what like Amanda and I do as well. Like if there's something that I know she's not going to like, I deliberately just send it to her with no context. Yes. And yeah. All the time. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> and she's like, "Why would you send me that?" Like, because and then I'm just laughing, just picturing her reaction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's terrible, guys. You, she's have, terrible. To, you have to share it. You have to share it with your yes. best friend. You have to. <laughs> yeah, if, if I can't share it with her, what am I going to exactly, share? exactly. <laughs> Do you have any writing rituals? Um procrastinating (laughs) that uh I don't not necessarily a ritual I did I think it was I saw either an article or maybe it was in a book from Stephen King a while ago that said writing in the same place like at your desk or on the couch or wherever but like you're you want to try to write in the same place over and over and over because it kind of I guess gets you into like the routine of things and it's just like your body naturally kind of adjusts to that task that you're supposed to be doing so I do try if I'm writing a book especially if I'm like deep into it and need to like have it done by a certain time I do try to write in the same area um so either I will sit at my desk and write excuse me or (laughs) or I will uh sit on my couch with my laptop I try not to do that as much just because my dogs don't let me sit by myself um the little one will get up in my lap he likes to cuddle 
So he's there. They're a very big distraction for me. The dogs are <laughs> like, I will, I was up, I think one day last week and I was on a super tight deadline for Ocean emissions. And I stayed up until I think six 30 that morning. And at like four wow. in the morning, I was up playing with the dog. <laughs> I was like, I'm supposed to be writing, but here I am uh, wrestling. Um, <laughs> My bad. Other than, uh, yeah. <laughs> other than that, um, I don't usually listen to a lot of music and if I do it's lo-fi beats because they I don't know if it's scientific or what but for me they get my creative juices going and there's usually no words so like I'm not getting distracted by whatever they're saying and then I do like to have a drink on hand just because like I don't know if I I have OCDs so I don't know if it's like a compulsion where I just like uh <laughs> like to have something to drink while I'm writing but it also keeps me from getting up and having to I guess yeah, that's true take a break Get and distracted. Like, out of that space yeah yeah for sure okay <clears throat> if you were a chair what chair would you be and what celebrity would you want to sit in you <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> like <laughs> Okay. Okay. Chairs. Uh, I'm trying to think of all the different types of chairs that there are. For some reason, the first thing that came to mind was like a, sh- a chase, chase lounger. I don't know how to say mm-hmm. that yep, word. Yeah. No, I get it. Um, and you know what? I, right now I'm going to go with Gordon Ramsay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love That's- that. That is so random. I love it. I <laughs> cool. I love him. Uh, I don't have an explanation for why I love him. I just do. And so yeah, that's that's my answer right now. Or okay, I'll also add in a more <laughs> age and appearance appropriate Theo James. Um from the Divergent series, probably from other stuff. That's all I've seen him in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so either one of them, either. I appreciate um, getting random answers. I really appreciate it. It's it's always yeah. a surprise. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And last question: What three celebrities or characters from books would you invite to a sleepover, and what would they bring? Gordon and he's bringing his spatula. <laughs> You're gonna bring a fry pan. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, for he, so he could cook me meals, obviously. Obviously, yep. <laughs> yep. Um. Oh gosh. I don't even know. Um. Let's say. Okay, um, the artist, singer, musician, whatever, uh, Black Bear. Mm-hmm. I love him um, wearing a hoodie that is <laughs> Black Bear. Um, I, he, he doesn't have to bring anything. He can just bring himself. Yep. And I would, be, I would be more than happy. And <laughs> I don't know. I don't have a... a, a Okay, okay, character. Um, we'll say Klaus Michelson from the Vampire Diaries. Oh my god, yes. 
Yeah. Uh, Love class. Again, again, doesn't have to bring anything, but if you wanted to bring his brother. <laughs> Elijah. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. yeah. I just love that. You're like, look, I don't want three. I'm just going to have four. So he's going to bring a guest. Yeah, yeah, he can bring I, a guest and Gordon's going to cook for everyone. That yeah. was a loophole. <laughs> yes. That's why. Right. Is, is that who? Is that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Come to my sleepover. Who's too. that? Is that Black Bear? Black Bear. Oh, yes. okay. Guys, so go oh look up God. a go look up a picture um, of Black Bear. Uh, mm. So you know that there. You have got quite that diverse range of... <laughs> sleepover mm-hmm. attendees there I you really do love- i know it, it doesn't make any sense like doesn't need <laughs> the people to. that i'm attracted it's vibes it's vibes it's That's total all vibes yeah. Yeah. yeah i'm yeah. here for it i'm here for it well thank you so much for chatting with us as i said if you are listening and you haven't gone uh or if you haven't read books one and two now's a great time because book three is about to come out if you have and you haven't pre-ordered book three go and do that because it does come out on the 15th so you'll get it straight away um thank you for giving us um your random answers really made my day (laughs) and we hope to chat with you again soon yes Yes, that would be great. Awesome. This is fun. Thank you. <laughs> okay. I mean, Gordon Ramsay's friend. It really threw me. It really threw me. Oh, and actually. Coming to the sleepover to cook. <laughs> I know. And honestly, I did see. Um, so I sent Sav a message um, yesterday. I saw this thing on Facebook and it was just so timely. I just pissed myself laughing. Let me find it. I need to say, so it's a thing and it says most girls fantasies making tender love to Ryan Gosling on a bed of rose petals. My fantasies having angry sex with Gordon Ramsay behind a failing Italian restaurant while he compares me to steak. That's more overdone than the fast and furious franchise. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my God, that is classic. I love it. And I love that she like found a loophole and she's bringing like she's letting Klaus bring Elijah. Elijah. I mean, we didn't. To be fair, we didn't put the restrictions on there. So good on her. So if she wants her. to find a loophole, fine. Yeah, yeah, love that. All right, is it time for some holiday? time. Yes, it is. Now I want to be clear because we have so many people that we want to shout out to, and obviously we can't just do a giant list every week. So mm-hmm. we are seeing you, and we do appreciate all of you. We do have a list of people that we're working through to thank. So um, if we haven't called your name out yet, it's not because we don't appreciate you. We just have to keep listening because we yes. get to it. We were getting through the list, I promise. Um, okay, so this week we are calling out Rihanna or mm-hmm. Rihanna. Um, I'd rather be reading is yep. her is her account and Camille bookish Cami. So sending all our love and thanking you for your friendship and support. Thank you, ladies. All right, what the actual smart time? Yes, my favorite. I love it because you have no idea what I'm going to talk about. I know it's my favorite. I like to be surprised. Okay, all right. This is a question. Yeah, okay, go. How can I make my partner more comfortable with slapping me in bed? I've been with my partner. (gasps) I'm sorry. Keep going. (laughs) I've been with my partner for only about four months, but we have never had a single issue and our sex life is great. We are both very kinky and into degradation and BDSM. We're both 
agreed that slapping in bed is something we are both into. And there are a few times he's done it, but it seems like he gets stressed out whenever he does. He usually doesn't hit hard, but has a couple of times, which I had to ask him for. And he says he enjoys it and hot, but he worries about hurting me too much. How can I help him become more comfortable with it without pushing him past his comfort zone? So I I get that. I get that like he, he's probably, he, he, yeah. He very, like both of you, I love that you both agreeing to it. Yeah, they seem very compatible on every level, but like based on the description that she's giving, it's just that, which I can totally understand because even though that does form a part of that kind of, you know, kink and whatever else, like outside of the bedroom, it's a completely unacceptable thing in society. So it's very hard to kind of separate those two thoughts when you're Mm. in the moment as opposed to, so I can understand where he would be coming from with that um but again it just comes back to that old classic communication Um, I think so and but I think you kind of have to maybe to make him feel a bit more comfortable with it maybe like he can say that I'm going to do it maybe you set a level like of one to ten or something and he just sees how far because I think once he knows what you're willing to actually yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like a limit. It's like a hard limit yeah. as to how far and, you can go. Yeah. yeah. And talk through it and be like, look, it's only in the bedroom, you know, and it's consensual and whatnot. But I, I it, love that it's something that, you know, they want to work through together. But it's I also think something like that as well, like could possibly take a little bit of time for him to get comfortable. Oh, I think it would take is, a lot of time to build yeah. up to. If he is really worried, he doesn't want to hurt you, then... Yeah, because you don't know how far you can take it before it does go too far. That's right. So, yeah, definitely I think they're on the right path already because she's already, um, you know, in that headspace of wanting to make sure it's well communicated and I think that's a good plan. Mm. Or maybe, like, flip the roles too. Maybe, you know. Yeah. By slapping him a bit. I know, I know um yeah no I I think that she is already on the right track so go ahead communicate it maybe maybe have levels like a safe word too yes that's a good idea that's always a good idea in those types of situations like ouch I don't know (laughs) yeah I mean I don't know if it needs no no because sorry I was gonna say because sometimes people say ouch but It's because like it might have that initial feeling, but it might not actually be your limit. So no, I think ouch is not a good idea. I think it should be a specific word. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) just saying. So, all right. Well, thanks for tuning in with us Uh, next week. uh, As always, head over to Instagram because we do do a giveaway at the start of each week. But next week we are talking to CR Jane about Ruining Dahlia, which is mm-hmm. one six of the Mafia Wars collaboration between some really awesome authors. Yep. So keep an eye out for that. But otherwise, we hope you have a fantastic week and we can't wait to be with you again next week. Bye. Bye.